Hey everybody, welcome back to Radio Gripe. Guess who I am? Nope, got it wrong. That one was for the listener, sorry. Would you like to guess who I am? You're Joe. Yes, and you are Jen? Jen? I feel like it's Jen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. With one N. With one N. Uh, yeah, this is our bullshit show uh, where we sit and bullshit about every week about various things that have been going on. And uh, we're back. We're here on, God damn it, July 4th uh, in the morning. And uh, yeah, it's been been a week or two of news. That, some stuff that I've kind of missed out on that I'm going to kind of touch base on. And then some other stuff that's happened this week and blah, 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 blah. So that's what's going to happen. Great. You know, Joe, whenever I see uh, you preparing notes mm-hmm. on topics that you're going to want to discuss for the show... Uh, I just completely check out because I know that you got this and we're going to have a good conversation or at least a good monologue. And all I have to do is be here and bring the positive energy to the show, which is no mean feat. No mean feat. No mean feat for me. Uh, So sorry if I didn't quite pull it off today. I mean, really no mean feat for any of us here in the 21st century. Uh, But yeah, uh, well, you know, I'm doing what I can. I've wanted to bring more preparation to this episode because I didn't uh, last week very much. But um, I I was, we listened to some older episodes last week, actually, and we started talking with some people and uh, we decided to do kind of like a follow up on some of the things that we've covered thus far in, in this year long run of the show. And uh, maybe some some favorite bits and things that people liked hearing. So, uh, yeah, if you, the listener, uh, has anything particular that really stood out to you over other episodes and you want to maybe do a catch-up on, see if there's any new news about it, uh, let us know about it. You can get us at weirdtryingshow at gmail.com. And uh, we got an Instagram, too, but that's not really good for emailing. But you can drop a comment. You can drop a comment. You can, uh, yeah, everybody reach out and hit us with your secret one-liners that we have to surreptitiously fit into the dialogue. That is uh, also a possibility. Um, yeah, don't forget. Don't forget. We've got that going on. Mm-hmm. Um, do we have anything in the mailbag this week? Well. Nope. Not yet. So. Well, uh, I... I, I told, we spent so much I, I money told, on this fucking mailbag. I, t- I had told Dan to uh, uh, shoot us an email, but he was like, yeah, I almost did. And then I didn't because when I hear your segment where you're going to open up the mailbag and then there's nothing in it, I feel, you know, pity and, and schadenfreude <laughs> a little bit maybe. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know it's also, you can, also, you can cut that from the show. I know it's summer and there's a lot of things going on, so not everybody's checking their emails and I uh, can't blame you. So that's fine. But yeah, so before we get super into it, I'll also kind of throw this out there that uh, everything that you're going to hear on the show, uh, these are the opinions and the commentary of Radio Gripe and uh, not KBSR or any of its uh, constituents. So any of its peoples, I always use the word constituents, it's probably the wrong word. Um, yeah, everything is uh, purely us. So hit us with those emails. I know everybody's emailing Black Sparrow over us. Nobody emails us. What? Has anyone emailed a complaint? No, no, nobody has. Oh. Nobody left. Coffee slurp. Um, well, let's uh, get into it with our, with our nice little intro to break the ice uh, about what we've come across this past week worth note. What are we listening to? Watching, learning, 
mm-hmm. and loving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Joe, what about you? Uh, I found out something cool, and uh, I went to go listen to an episode. The way it the way it panned out was that I went to go with, uh, listen to an episode of Knowledge Fight, a podcast that I like about Alex Jones. And uh, Dan, one of the hosts on there, had mentioned that he was just on a show called Your Music Saved Us, which... It's yeah. a, a friend of ours from many years ago, Clifton, uh, him and another guy, Jay. Uh, they run Your Music Saved Us, which is also a really fun show. Uh, they kind of go over Christian rock of the 90s and what it's like to grow up with that being your only, uh, I guess, music. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what your lifestyle is. It sounds like such a wonderful concept for a show. And yeah. while I can't relate... Um, I think I think a lot Same. of people can. Yeah. And it's it's still like a fascinating premise for a show. Yeah. But so Dan was on their show. So I immediately stopped Knowledge Fight and I went over to their episode and started listening. Uh, they, were, they were talking about a ska band uh, from the 90s, Five Iron Frenzy, which, again, I think I had never even heard of before. Uh, these guys, these guys know the works. And so, uh, yeah, you'll you'll go check out Your Music Saved Us uh, by Clifton J and go check out Knowledge Fight. Uh, it's another awesome show. If you like what we're doing here, I think you would like both of those shows. Yeah, right on. Uh, yeah, so that's my thing. Uh, what's 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 new with you this week? Well, I wanted to talk about what's been rattling around in my brain um, since I saw it was, is uh, Bo Burnham's new comedy. Well, I guess it's not new. It's been out for a couple of months, but I just mm-hmm, saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, comedy special uh, Inside, which you can see on Netflix. Also, the it, it, it's a primarily musical format. Um, so you can get all those songs on Spotify as well. Yeah. I think, yeah, I was just talking about this special with my brother. Yeah. And he mentioned that if you, if you only listen to the album, it's lighter, it feels more like a comedy presentation Mm -hmm. than if you are watching the entirety of the special, which takes place in like a small studio, um, in its entirety and, uh, seems to be lit and shot and, performed and edited exclusively by Bo Burnham. Right. I think it's really resonated with a lot of people. It's been kind of universally, critically acclaimed as a great pandemic work. Yeah, it hit home for me, for sure. Yeah, it did for me too. I was uh, I was a little, you know, hesitant at first to really just kind of get super into it. But uh, as, as it unfolded, I kind of got past my own discomfort at it being so relatable. And I just I took it for for what it is, and uh, there's a yeah. lot of sadness and anxiety in this special. Definitely, I think you had mentioned to me that initially you felt like there was some performative depression happening that kind of rubbed you the wrong way, coming from maybe a position of, of privilege. And obviously, I don't disagree with that. It's a performance, right? Um, you know, for those that saw the special and kind of walked away saying. Is Bo okay? <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm really, yeah. really worried about him. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's supposed to be the takeaway. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't think that it's a thirst trap or a call for pity or something. You know, I like, think the question more is, are we okay? Right. And yeah. the answer is no. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Yeah, I think that um, it was. I don't know if it's about halfway through. There was a song about the internet that he did that. By the time that that was over, I was I was on board, and I was honestly I was wondering how any of the, any of us should expect to to be sane and and mentally okay in the in the world these days. And that's, that's I think uh, that's the power of art, really. More it of us than poignant things than people talk about being in this place is that a lot of us you find yourself feeling very disassociated from your own life and 
especially when you when you work a lot and you think that that's your main problem is that you you work too hard, you work too much, and life is passing you by. But in your free time, you find yourself drained, and you find yourself connected to the internet for mm. hours. Yeah, and often in in the search for some kind of validation or at least escapism. Caught up in that perpetual perpetual yeah. scroll, that yeah. eternal scroll. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's Reddit or YouTube or social media uh, like Facebook or Instagram, where you find that your main connection to humanity is through the screen. Mm-hmm. Years ago, when uh, I first got a smartphone, I would have these thoughts like, is this good for me? I think this is bad for me. I need to um, maybe disengage from... And I have those thoughts less frequently now because it does feel like it would be um, like a form of lobotomy or an amputation of one of my senses or something mm. yeah. um, that you used to perceive the world. But at the same time, I know it's doing some type of psychological thing. Sure. When you feel like there is a crisis both outside and inside your mind, there's there's an emergency. There's global warming. There's racial injustice. There's a pandemic. Um, and the emergency is happening both outside and inside and your response is to be very still and stationary in on your phone and scrolling, you know, like, right. Well, I think like a rabbit in the shadow of a hawk, you know, you just, yeah. Yeah. Just hunker down. I think we had talked for years about, um, the use of the internet as a repository for information where we kind of, we're offloading a lot of the mental labor that we would uh, have normally held for remembering things in our meat brain. We now have a digital brain uh, that is the internet where we, we just go to that instead of trying to remember things all the time. And that's kind of grown and grown and people don't really use, they don't flex their own mental muscle as, as much because the internet makes it so easy. But I think that what comes along with that is that you end up offloading a lot of different aspects of yourself and uh, a lot of your emotional connections also to the internet and all of it, you feel like uh, that is more where you are comfortable and, and where uh, this part of you lies is the internet. Yeah, it's strange. It's not just things that you remember that you think about that you offload. It's things that you feel and things yeah. that you are. And it's, it's your Facebook memories, things that you don't think about until you're prompted like, oh, remember that one day that it was really <laughs> great and I was at work, but I was with my friends. And you see it and you're just saddened by the fact that you don't think about that anymore. Facebook just reminded you that you used to have this awesome job with your friends. Mm. I miss you, Pacha Crew. I think with this, the, you know, the Bo Burnham special inside is very much about isolation, um, very much about yeah. um, physical disconnection, um, depression, despair, anxiety, <laughs> It's a lot of fun. Uh, totally recommend it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, hit us up with your thoughts uh, if you want to. If you want to talk about it, make sure you bring your popcorn and uh, probably some alcohol. Not too much, but a drink to brace yourself. I'm still not sure what to make of All Eyes on Me. What did you think about that kind of climactic moment um, in the, the comedy special? Uh, I thought it was really good, and it seemed more. It was something that seemed more heartfelt than comedic. Uh, and it was very somber. He chose the right tone with the music that he was using. There, it feels very cathartic, but at the same time, in a bad way. Like, um, 
like, yeah, Dan was saying, I mean, like, he thinks feels, of it as a suicide song, and I'm like, I think that's the 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 reason that it feels cathartic is because it feels like a there's a drive within to say that and to really to say it out, and and that's the like the thing that you're wanting to say and you don't allow yourself to say, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, it's like, and I, and I don't mean to say that from like um. But like it's a narcissistic or like egotist kind of thing. I think that a lot of us do feel isolated. We we feel disassociated. And I think that it's natural to kind of want to do what he's doing with that song to say, you know, everybody get up, get off your feet, all eyes on me. Maybe and but he's at the like, same he's time. Calling that... out, he's calling out for attention and validation. The song feel, you know? sounds so hopeless too. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. he brings the audience with him to... What what seems like a, a place of you know total nihilism? Yeah, it seems like a swan song. Like you expect it to culminate with a, in a suicide. You almost do, yeah. And that was yeah. Well, I think it's an important work. Um, I do. I think it's a work. I, I think it's a fucking work of art. I, and, re- um, I recommend it highly. I'll tell you that we watched it that night, and by the next morning, I had yeah, I had listened to the internet song probably five times or so <laughs> on Spotify. That one I just loved. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a lot of fun and it's really yeah. dark and it's it's dark but it's a lot of fun. We've been talking about what the internet has done to us and of course in the song he he's singing to an entire generation who don't know a world without the internet. Right, like my little niece and nephew who grew up on tablets. Yeah. Uh, it's a fascinating social experiment. I'm good I interest you in everything all of the time. A little bit of everything all of the time. Apathy's a tragedy and boredom is a crime. Anything and everything all of the time. So, uh, getting into all the news, uh, I kind of wanted to do a, uh, a win fail kind of thing. A what now? Uh, a win slash fail. Oh, gotcha. Kind of thing. Uh, because a lot of times we are just bringing up news that is, uh, shitty to hear, shitty to talk about. So, uh, I did want to bring up and congratulate uh, Catalina Enriquez, who has been crowned Miss Nevada and will be the first trans woman to compete in the brutal, bloody, and barbaric Miss USA pageant. <laughs> uh, she began competing in transgender pageants in 2016 and started taking on cisgender pageants in 2020. Um, so, yeah, congratulations to you. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Of course, with every win comes a fail. And uh, I, uh, I I, admit I only put a few sentences up here for uh, Cataluna there. And I've got like a paragraph or so now. But I mean, that's how it's going to work. So um, everybody's probably already heard about the uh, track and field up and comer Shakari Richardson. Uh, she's Dallas born track runner. And officially, fast as hell, uh, she made it into the top 10 fastest women in the world at the age of 19. Uh, she's been dis- disqualified from certain Olympic matches on account of some marijuana. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the full story, I don't know if you heard all of this or not. Some asshole reporter who was interviewing her informed her of her mother's death, like while, re- while interviewing her. So... That's not really a good way to uh, kind of break the news to somebody, but she'd been going through this. And you know, she said she doesn't blame that reporter. Um, well, I'm she sure. She said, you know, they're just doing their job. I'm still, but it's like, you know, not every fucking thing is a scoop. Not everything is a breaking story. You know what I mean? 
I so reporters sometimes I, I, kind of I'll blame the reporter for down. her. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this happened while she was uh, up in Oregon uh, for some for some trials and tryouts and everything, and uh, she had gone to smoke some weed to kind of you know unwind and alleviate some some stress and strife. So I should point out that, you know, that is not only legal in Oregon, but 22 uh, states all in all. And also a great way to temporarily disassociate from your grief. Hmm. Uh, I would wager that it's not a performance en- performance enhancer. Nobody ex- thinks that it's a performance enhancer. Except for maybe snowboarders. Sean White, I'm looking <laughs> at you. Uh, Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps. So even though she qualified at some Olympic trials for the 100-meter race, uh, which took place in Oregon, they legalized it five years ago. They've you know been on right track. Uh, the all-seeing and all-knowing Olympic Committee has handed her a suspension nullifying her legitimate victory. Uh, she'll have a chance to try out for a 100-meter relay in August. Uh, but still, people are actually really looking up to the matchup of her and then some other world runners. Um yeah, you know, she's she's a very promising athlete, and to have this kind of trip her up is really messed up. It's tragic. Uh, you know, the thing that I noticed that I think is okay about this is that uh, one of her sponsors, Nike, and also uh, there's, there's another U.S. track and field organization that has her back, and they're like, hey, don't worry about it. You know, it's like everybody's going through a hard time. You got you to gotta do you. Don't worry. We got your so, back. So basically has not lost her sponsorships. No, she hasn't lost her sponsorships. Uh, the thing about, you know, the uh, it's called like World Athletics. It used to be the uh, IOOC or whatever. I'll get into them in a minute. They're the ones that are kind of like making those rules. And they're the ones that said that because it came up positive for THC, she won't be able to compete. And so they gave a 30 day suspension, uh, which took into effect that day that they took the test that she actually won the hundred meter. And it's not like she was a under the influence when she took the race B that's not the same kind of performance enhancer. Like there's just all these things about it, which are nonsensical, uh, especially when you consider that, like, um, you know, whenever there's Olympics and they make an Olympic village around a place, the whole thing is a Bacchanal. They're not, they're not going to athletes and saying like, Oh, did you, have you had any alcohol in the past day or two? And have you been, you know, like taking care of your body? They don't do things like what that. One of my takeaways from you know? uh, looking into the Sochi Winter Olympics uh, all those years ago now was, yeah, it is a total back and all. These are a bunch of young people that are at peak fitness yeah. and are competing to be like, just physically just the best people in the world and they are fucking up a storm and this they is, are drinking they are fucking like crazy the olympics is like their olympics because it's the olympics <laughs> yeah it's a big deal uh so i can understand having kind of the big party about it I, look, it's, it's probably like like a big pressure release yeah exactly um but also uh a quick shout out because we're going to talk olympics for a minute here i want to give a shout out to fred curley a uh, local dude, once a duck, always a duck, uh, who is also fast as hell. Um, he is going for gold. He'll be going to uh, Japan for the Olympics. I mean, he's a tailor guy. He's one of only three people in history that have done the 100 meter in under 10 seconds, the 400 in under 40 seconds. Like, he's he's on track to actually, like, be a record breaker. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so I've been seeing that in the local news. So, congrats, Fred Curley. Yeah. 
So there's a layer of wind on the outside of the wind fail. And I'm going to use that to adhere another slab of fail. <laughs> I think I know where you're going because you're going to talk about another performance enhancing drug. Mm. It has been decided, which mm -hmm. is the natural human hormone testosterone. Yeah. And uh, I'll say beforehand that this is a, a complicated and nuanced topic and we're not going to try to come down to the brass tacks on everything. But I want to bring it up because of some of the things that I notice around it. And also, I'm going to apologize if I absolutely brutalize anybody's last name <laughs> with the names that I'm going to be throwing around. Uh, but recently, uh, Christine Mboma and Beatrice Mas Masalingi, two 18-year-old athletes from Namibia, uh, they've both been banned from the Olympic 400-meter dash for a, quote, this is an actual quote, natural high testosterone level. It's worth noting that they're both cisgendered women, which means the World Athletics Organization, formerly known as the International Association of Athletics Federations, sounds kind of fascist, is really trying to establish gender boundaries. Uh, in 2018... Gender boundaries without without taking in, into account, I guess, what you would call biological sex. Right. Uh, because as, as you say, they are cisgendered women. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one is alleging that they are taking steroids, right? Correct. Uh, the natural high testosterone level is the exact quote. So okay. they, they are not making accusations. They, they acknowledge that this is uh, as, as it is within their bodies. In 2018, they started establishing testosterone limits for female athletes. And so they're implementing those rules now and barring people. Um, this started in 2009 with Castro Semenya. Uh, from South Africa, also fast as hell. So Semenya is actually intersex chromosomally. Uh, she has an um, XY, but is assigned a female at birth. So that's, is that an XXY? I, I when suppose that happens? so. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it means that there is a Y chromosome because women are XX and men are XY. Is that right? Yes. So I believe. So I think an XXY is somebody. Right. Like the great I'm, actress Jamie Lee Curtis, okay. uh, who we refer to as intersex, um, that person right. usually ends up having. Well, there's a there's a variety. You can have chromosomal, uh, hormonal, sometimes uh, changes to the actual the, to the genitals. Um, it can be a wide variety of markers that put somebody within the realm of intersex, but that but doesn't. It's, that it's doesn't, not incredibly uncommon, right? Um, that doesn't mean that um, everybody would. Uh, would identify as, as intersex. From my understanding, Semenya no, identifies you, as cisgendered woman. Typically, assigned female at you're birth. going to identify... Typically, we see somebody who doesn't even discover um, mm -hmm. that they have any uh, hormonal or chromosomal differences until well after puberty, and they typically identify as whatever they have their whole life. Yeah, until they maybe in 2009 uh, run so fast that they're suspected of cheating, and they're submitted to a battery of tests, including physical examinations, to determine if they're actually a man running in a women's competition. Mm -hmm. uh, like, they, they did all this with Semenya and... and tried to take her down and they were like, Oh no, you're not, you're, you're a woman and you're not taking any kind of uh, drugs or anything. And so they, they allowed her to go on. And in fact, uh, in 2016, she got the gold, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, in fact, all three people that that got medals in the 800 meter in 2016, they are all banned because of this rule. Holy shit. Yeah. Guess what? They're all from South. They're all from Africa, different parts of Africa. Another another little tie that binds here. 
they're being told to take blockers to lower their testosterone if they want to compete, uh, which is the most, it's kind of the most backwards fucking rule that I can think about for this. Whenever you, you have are to take hormone suppressors to suppressors. suppress your natural. You are not allowed to take hormone enhancers in any way. You are forced to take hormone suppressors. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, so Semenya took meds for about five years, actually, uh, because she was being hassled, harangued, and harassed over it. She obviously had a myriad of side effects uh, from that and have, it made her miserable. She's said that the battle to compete has destroyed her mentally and physically. Oh, God. That's so sad to hear. Yeah. And so she she will also not be able to compete oh, in my God. the 800 meter or the 400 meter. They are saying that with those testosterone levels that these women have, they would be allowed to compete in lower, like, 100-meter dashes and stuff, but they can't compete in the higher, more contentious, kind of more of a big deal races. So they're being they're being cornered out of that. Also, just to say something I saw today, because over the course of the week... Oh, dog. It's okay. Over the course of the last week, we have seen, uh, you know, five women banned from certain races because of their testosterone levels. We've seen Shakari Richardson banned from certain races because of marijuana use. And we have also seen a company that makes uh, the Soul Cap. It is a swimming cap that is designed for naturally black hair, right? Which mm -hmm. is a little bit thicker and denser. And traditional swim caps don't really fit right. They usually take on water. And so a company made a swim cap that is designed for black people's hair and it is not allowed to be used in the olympics what is their re what is their reasoning for that they said something about how it does not hug the scalp that's about the only reason that i could find for it, it shouldn't it be up to an athlete to decide they they apparently have rules about it like your the shape of your head can has to be like basically you're bald and this has to hug your scalp and uh, the soul cap does not necessarily do that because it actually does have to account for a different style of hair. So, yeah, you, well, all, you have, guess what? You have, if you want to compete, shave your fucking head. You have black and companies that's the only way, getting shut out. You that's have, the only yeah, no, yeah, that's absurd. So, yeah, Olympics. The people that run the Olympics and start and they're making the rules, they're just handing out fucking fails left and right right now. So. Keep, uh, you know, uh, watch this space, as they say. Uh, we'll kind of see where that goes. And don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not a fan of the Olympics. I could, like, really hardly give a shit. I do hate to hear it whenever, you know, uh, people get picked on. People get kind of cut out from the group. And people get told that, you know, your natural talents are, uh, are not acceptable. <laughs> your identity is unacceptable. <laughs> You're, uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, so HBO had done a documentary last year called The Weight of Gold, uh, which shed a light on uh, mental health challenges that Olympic athletes face. Uh, in that documentary, said there's an epidemic of suicides and depression. So I just remember from like a month ago hearing uh, Naomi Osaka, who is the, uh, I guess, four-time uh, – I'm sorry, four-time Grand Slam singles champion. She's the number two uh, tennis player in the world. Mm -hmm. Had uh, come out and said that she did not want to talk to press uh, at the French Open, uh, citing, you know, she says she has uh, anxiety and depression. And 
Osaka said she'd watched too many players break down during news conference and uh, leave the dais in tears, and the whole process feels like kicking a person while they're down. So she said she she wasn't going to uh, she wasn't going to do it, mm-hmm. and she would accept any fines that were levied at her for skipping the press conference, which apparently is fifty thousand dollars in fines. But also, she may be barred from competition. I'm not really sure how that shook out, but I do remember. You can't be fucking serious. Hearing that. about that. And a lot of people came out in support of her, of course. And uh, yeah, it's just it's incredibly common with these these high functioning athletes that are the you know the goat, the the greatest in the sure, world. Sure. And um, what we put them through uh, that makes it more difficult for them to succeed uh, with with all the other pressures that they're putting on their bodies and their mental health. Yeah. Yeah. No, I th- I definitely think it raises some interesting questions too with. You know, now that uh, here in America, as a society, we are trying to bar uh, transgender young people from competing uh, at a high school level or a college level, what 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 are we ultimately going to fall on as the standard for what what's fair and what's not fair? I guess to people competing, there yeah. are um, you know, there's a gender binary in competition for. A reason, uh, because with like sports that like high impact sports or sports that require um, a level of strength and endurance, where men outmatch women, it's not every sport, but it's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do want to have two different leagues, and I just think it's really interesting that the Olympics uh, apparently has decided that they're going to base everything off of testosterone, or at least. It's, it sounds like they're moving in a direction, which sounds really horrible mm-hmm. uh, in this instance, but there's more to come from this. Like, they're moving in a direction, which I think is really interesting. They're moving in a direction, but also the thing is, like, what, what I kind of walked away from some of that information with is we, we see it kind of being acknowledged by uh, the World Athletics Organization that uh, that there is an intersex as like a gender. And so we're starting to see that it's not binary and that there's like scientific evidence to this. And they are acknowledging it and then going entirely outside it. And I don't know if they're creating, they basically they're creating a dead zone where no gender exists. And they're saying that you must take hormone blockers to be, under within the boundaries of what we define a woman as it's, to yeah, do this they're creating a dead zone where high performing women in certain sports are unable to compete on a world stage so yeah. i mean i <laughs> yeah so they're they're flying using science to fly in the face of the facts of science like it's fucking insane yeah i don't know hey this has been sports talk with jen and joe i I, I'm not an athlete and uh, anybody, <laughs> if anybody who's listening uh, has any thoughts on the matter, you can hit us up at we're trying show gmail.com and uh, join this conversation. I just feel like we should make a bump for a fake show or for our show. It's like, hey, this has been sports talk. We are not athletes. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's Joe here with your station break for this week. 
I just wanted to take a moment to say thanks for listening to our show and thanks for listening to KBSR Black Sparrow Digital Radio. Now, you know how things are done around here. We're an independent station. We are listener supported. So we've got a Patreon that helps us keep all the lights on and everything cracking. And you can go be a part of that if and you feel like it. There's a lot of good stuff on here. There's a lot of different DJs and a lot of different shows. You're sure to find something you like. Uh, but yeah, go to Patreon and search for Black Sparrow Radio. Or you can go to our website, BlackSparrowMusicParlor.com. There's a link to the Patreon there. And you can also just stream the radio live 24-7 from that website. Uh, of course, we've got an app for the streaming radio. Or you can find us on uh, whatever kind of streaming radio thing you like. So go go find it and go listen all the time. Yeah, as we're moving forward, we're going to bring back live radio uh, transmissions out of the Black Sparrow Music Parlor. It's going to be a lot of fun, so stay tuned for that. And uh, like uh, we mentioned somewhere else in this show, there's uh, still some events coming up in uh, late June, early July. Black Sparrow will be reopening around the July 4th weekend with uh, several shows and all kinds of stuff going on. So go check it out if you live here around Taylor. Also, I just need to say thanks to my man Trev Wren of the Memphis State Fair for letting us use that theme song, Dying in Texas. And of course, Alex Cuervo of Spectrostatic for letting us use everything here and there. Uh, he just finished scoring another movie. I uh, can't remember the name of it right at the moment, but uh, more info will be coming out about it. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing that too. All right, well, with that, uh, everybody have a good week, and I'll see you soon. Well, um, moving on from that, uh, there's a couple of things that have happened that I actually have slept on and I haven't brought to the show. And so I need to correct that. Uh, first off, a couple weeks ago, uh, unfortunately, the rapper Gift of Gab, Timothy Jerome Parker, passed away uh, at the age of 49. Uh, he had had some years of uh, you know health problems, from what I understand, but uh yeah, that sucks. Uh, it really does. He was, of course, uh, part of the duo uh, Black Alicious with DJ XL, and uh, yeah, that's that's a sad loss. We sorry to all the, all the friends and family of Gift of Gab. Also, something else that I've slept on uh, that I'm going to take just a little bit more time with is uh, we're, we're going to have to talk about Canada's residential schools. Uh, okay. Okay. So you have maybe kind of missed this story. 
Over the last month, the remains of over 900 people, mostly indigenous children, have been discovered on the grounds of a couple of different schools. Oh, uh, I did see this. Yeah. Uh, these schools were mainly ran by churches for the longest time, about around 100 years or so. And uh, starting in 1883, the Canadian government forced indigenous children into these schools. Uh, they were taken from their families, not allowed to speak their own language. Uh, it was basically a cultural genocide campaign. Mm -hmm. uh, the schools operated up until the 1960s uh, under the church. That is the capital C Roman Catholic Church. Uh, until about 1969 when the uh, government actually took control of them. They stayed operating for some time and then they were shut down in 1996. Uh there was a report in 2015 that estimated 4,000, over 4,000 uh, had died or disappeared. So one of the people on that commission said recently that he now thinks this is well over 10,000 with some of the things that are coming to light. My uh, God. They've been going over the grounds of some of these rather large schools with ground penetrating radar and they're, they're finding a whole lot of unmarked graves. Some as young as children as young as three years old. So what happened there? So, I mean, what had happened is that uh, indigenous children were rounded up and put into these boarding schools, essentially, and were... Which we've known about that. That happened in America as well. Yeah. Um, there had been reports... Taken from their communities, over, taken from their families. Yeah. And it, it like, but, you know... With the well, goal had, of integrating them yeah, into yeah. You know, white Western society. The thing was is that America didn't really keep up this practice for as long. No, nah, it costs money. Yeah, that's one of the things. <laughs> and the Roman Catholic Church, I guess, just had a stronger hold in Canada. Uh, I'm not really too sure why. But uh, there had been reports uh, over the entire time of these operations, and it kind of got a little bit bigger in the 60s. Uh, which is why it was handed over to uh, the government instead about the treatment, the uh, the abuse, uh, and just kind of like outright, kind of like you know we're we're putting you in the system, and honestly we don't expect you to ever get out. But here's my question: What nightmarish fucking scenario occurred in these schools with mass graves? Well, there is not documentation about it, but I we think, can only speculate. I think that we can make some safe assumptions because they've they've confirmed that the vast majority of these are indigenous children there are some cases where it would be uh staff or non-indigenous uh like students i we guess we can't know if the kids died from neglect or if they were like euthanized right yeah um, I don't know that they are uh, mass graves, but we do know that there is a massive amount of them for sure. Um, this is still ongoing. Uh, this this has been just like one or two uh, discoveries at different schools. I think one of them is called like Kamloops. And um, that one had a hundred and something. And then there was another that had 700 and something. Um, there's been some pretty, pretty big discoveries about it. Um, I think when it comes to children, if you are looking at hundreds of them and it's not during a like a cholera outbreak or something. This was part of it because there were reports about um, the conditions and that uh, sometimes disease would be 
would start firing up in the school, mm-hmm. but the school didn't really either didn't have the means or didn't care to use the means to really kind of keep uh, the students safe. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, widespread disease outbreaks were a part of it. Okay, I'm I sure, guess I should have guessed. I'm sure as they go through this, if they were to do examinations on every one of those, they would probably find several instances of uh, physical assault. You know what I mean? I, I wouldn't be surprised in the least. There, there are some... You know, I mean, it was also it was ran like, by the fucking Roman Catholic Church. You know, there were bad things going on. Imagine with living in your indigenous community, and some white people come and take your child away from you. And you know, as we saw in the U.S., sometimes your child eventually returns and no longer speaks the language that mm-hmm. that you and everybody else speaks, but they are healthy. and um other times all too common like all too commonly you just never they're never seen again you never see them again yeah just white people came and said no this is for the best and Mm. they they took your children away and you never fucking see or hear from them again yeah yeah it's horrific it really is um so I don't want to get like super deep into too many of those details, but do know that it's uh, something that I'm paying attention to. And I think everybody needs to learn a little bit more about it. What I would really like to bring up is um, just recently on July 1st, which is a uh, Canada day. It's meant to mark the uh, country's confederation. I guess it's kind of like our July 4th uh, Statues of Queen Victoria and... I'm so, I'm so glad we're having this conversation on the 4th of July. Happy yeah. 4th of July, everybody. Happy 4th of July, everybody. Uh, statues of Queen Victoria and Queen Elizabeth II were toppled and, uh, you know, covered with uh, red paint. And uh, and the bases were covered in red handprints. And um, I saw that, too. I've seen this on some front doors of some of those old schools. Uh, it's so, so very I, stark visual message. I can now understand the toppling of the statues as a direct response to yes. the... Uh, the residential school system. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the grassroots campaign that's organizing a lot of these things, and I've you can also look up into a lot of the marches that have been going on uh, in response to this. It's called Idle No More. Uh, you can actually find them on social media and at uh, idlenomore.ca. And, I guess um, that's I-D-L-E no more. Correct. I-D-L-E-N-O-M-O-R-E dot C-A. Uh, yeah, so I recommend going and, and checking them out, and uh, they're going to – they're going to put forward, I think, something more so than I'm able to put forward when it comes to uh, a response to this and commentary on this. Um, but I definitely think that people need to pay more attention to it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Canada, you're you're trying, but you got a troubled past, hey, like many of us. There ne- yeah, there needs to be reckoning. Hey, yeah. Here in America, uh, we often think of Canada as America's jaunty little hat. <laughs> um, yeah, our so, jaunty French hat. <laughs> and they're the space between uh, Alaska, America, and the rest of uh, re- real America. Uh-huh. Uh, real North America. It's weird that we have this idea that the further north you go, the nicer everybody gets, and it culminates in Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Um, but yeah, they have they have a history of cultural genocide as well, and yeah, absolutely. it's something that's popped up over the years because it has been so well buried, 
And um, no, yeah, we we you know there was there was a series of you know disappearances of indigenous women. Right, it speculated it was a serial killer, a series of killers. Um, there was never justice for those women. Um, yeah, no, we need to remember that uh, the Canada that we know is also a product of colonialism and right. imperialism. Uh, even after after the the American War for Independence, uh, Canada was still a disputed territory between Britain and France, and they were oftentimes uh, exploiting uh, the indigenous population to fight these wars, and then you know later uh, betraying them and everything else. And it, it was yeah, same story. <laughs> it's uh, and just as dragged out, just as bloody as as America's history too. Yeah, you know, I still find myself, though, after two years of being trapped in Texas in what feels like a never-ending summer, mm. um, fantasizing about living in Montreal. Ah, uh, Montreal. Oh, Montreal. Oh, I love baguette. the Fr- First of all, I love the French-Canadian accent, too. Sure. As uh, best best done by uh, Dave Foley <laughs> as, the, as the prostitute on Kids in the Hall. It's not a regular French accent. It's like a hillbilly French accent. It's so, (laughs) so charming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's great. day i tell myself just stop drinking um get yourself drink like a gallon of water a day be hydrated maybe it'll help your mental health but every day is this it's a new day where i'm like this will make me feel better for right now and that's what i need so yeah here we are i'm not trying to get day drunk but i know we'll take a break let the old whistle go through our last bit i've got one more thing prepared and then a quick lightning round okay uh so not quite done yet got a little bit more in local news local-ish uh a study has ranked 75 major cities across the u.s based on affordability the worst on the list is atlanta georgia uh but numbers two and three are both in texas no it's fine i can i can cut one in later and that would be good quality that wasn't me trying to prompt you the, over it. the no, joke no, is that it's not good quality it's oh, just okay. a phone held into a mic <laughs> um yeah plano and uh austin in austin the median monthly rent is uh one thousand one hundred eighty six dollars a month 
for someone on minimum wage, that would require over well over 40 hours a week to have a net income that would cover rent. And that doesn't account uh, for other living expenses. You know, food, food's a big one. It doesn't count your utility bills uh, or anything else. Um, in fact, uh, in the year 2020, the average wage for Metro Austin was $25,000. Yeah, obviously, when it comes to affordability, I'm not sure exactly what this list was. It is. How easily can people live on minimum wage? Okay, okay that's what it is. Because right. obviously in the Bay Area, um, that would be cheap rent. Uh, in New York City, that would be cheap rent, depending on where you are. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. But those but are places that also have instituted larger minimum both wages. Both instituted much larger minimum wages than what we have here. Yeah. So um, there are jobs that pay. Which is the federal, the absolute federal minimum. Seven twenty-five is Yeah. Um, is it still seven twenty-five? Holy fucking shit. For real. There are jobs that pay more. Uh, you know, you can find like around $9 is a little bit more the average uh, of an hourly. But that still requires around 50 hours a week uh, to get everything paid. Texas has, of course, put a ban on raising minimum wage. So when places like Austin or Houston want to pass living wage legislation, tough shit. Just, you can't do it. Here in Texas, we don't like to let uh, local government do what they want to do nah, man. Uh, that for their, for their cities. Um, yeah, it's true. We're pretty fucked up. We like to... It's a little bit socialist here because we like to make sure that everyone's doing the same thing. Really? We just need one guy making decisions, right? We Yeah. We, I mean, one guy and a buddy of his, maybe. What's good? That's enough. What's good for Plano is good for Austin, is good for Houston, is Dallas, good, is good, good for, for Waco, yeah. is good for... What's a tiny fucking Texas town? Thrall. Is good for Thrall. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we, and we decide that. Yeah. So um, there is one exception that I found. In uh, Austin, city workers and contractors are guaranteed $15 an hour. And uh, that was legislation put together by a councilman, uh, Greg Caesar, I think. Might be Caesar. I think it's Greg Caesar. Um, He helped get that legislation together and he continues to lobby for a living wage in Texas. And so he's calling to uh, lift the ban on minimum wage uh, cap. And so that places like Austin can go for making a living wage within like their own boundaries, but they're prevented from doing that. I also heard about uh, the Texas service industry coalition, uh, which is a group organizing workers to fight for higher wages and better treatment. And uh, you can also find them online if you want to maybe go check out if you're, especially if you're in the industry, I think that it would behoove you Uh, me and Clifton that I mentioned earlier in the show. We used to talk about, uh, a need for a, a unionization or representation for service industry people in Austin. All we did was really talk about it. You know, I feel like y'all didn't fully come together because I think you were thinking of it as a kind of, um, like a trade organization. He kind of saw it. Whereas he thought of it as a service industry, like rights union, I guess. Right. I think it was back and forth because he was the one that brought up the idea of having it being a guild. And so you are like, you, you have a craft and so you lobby for your rights because we have people under this craft. And I was the one who was actually saying, well, I think it should be broad reaching so that people who are making two thirty an hour, they can be part of this too. No like, shit. I totally do you, do you need to have a server's guild? I, I think that a server and a barista and a manager 
those those people should all have equal footing. That's so wild. My recollection is complete complete opposite. Yeah. Well, like I said, I think we went back and forth, and it was it was just a conversation. It was a thought experiment, you know. Um, but there are some people uh, in in and around Austin and Texas, uh, Texas Service Industry uh. Coalition, that um they're trying to to unionize basically, and I would love to see that. In the years since that conversation, there have been greater attempts to unionize in states that generally their their unions have been destroyed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, for for people without power to unionize in an attempt to gain more power. Right. And pretty much all of them have failed. Yeah. But. Yeah. uh, This is a thing. Is that. We can do with our check into the Amazon vote, obviously. Mm. Right, right. The union did not win. I listened to that one. Uh, but yeah, I think historically we've seen that you need to have unionization and representation to ensure uh, public health and safety and quality of life. If you're if you're in a capitalist system the way that we are, if you, you disagree with this statement, you are not a listener of our show. So I don't know what to tell you. I don't know why you're here. Uh, if you are listening to the statement and disagree with it, uh, who are you? Go, right in. Go back and listen to other episodes. Uh, We'll, we'll get you good and pilled. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, so that was just another thing that I wanted to bring up. I know that the struggle is real over there in, in Austin, just like many places. Uh, fuck, man, we got out five years ago. And uh, yeah, I couldn't imagine trying to trying to do that and having what else happened with the pandemic, uh, you know, uh, unemployment and absolutely no assurance of work for people that were in the industry. Austin, like many cities is it's a service industry economy primarily. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a destination place. And so what happened to the bar and restaurant and music scene mm -hmm. um, in Austin is, is really a hollowing out of the heart and soul of Austin during the pandemic. Um, For sure. Caused me a lot of consternation uh, at the time. Obviously, there's been a lot of benefits and, you know, attempts to keep that afloat. Uh, What makes Austin, Austin? But, you know, time will tell what kind of damage uh, the pandemic ultimately did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, To cap that off, I will say in that same report, uh, the number one most affordable, if you're on minimum wage city... Guess you want to guess? Gary, Indiana. Fucking Fresno, California. Oh, really? Hey, everybody! I hear that Fresno's super fucking affordable. Everybody, go to California. Hey, Austinites! <laughs> hey, Austinites! Your you time has I, come. I ever thought about going back where you came from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's that one. Um, uh, there, there was plenty of other stuff that I really wanted to get into, but yeah, we're. Uh, the raw mark on this recording is right about in an hour, so I knew we wouldn't get to do everything. Uh, and some of this stuff is just a little bit trivial, but I did want to bring up, uh, speaking of California, they're having problems with their grid, and they're asking people not to recharge their electric cars. So That's a big ask. That's a big ask. Yeah, I mean, and spe- speaking and I think that of... That's also hilarious that that's the thing that they're like, oh, well, you can't do that, <laughs> you know. Speaking of the strained weather grid, which... Um... The heat wave is a big part of, uh-huh. um, you know, uh, we were talking about Canada, the whole Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. and on through uh, Vancouver, and those areas of Canada has, has been experiencing a uh, unprecedented 
heat wave, yeah. uh, which, you know, we've seen some of the images online and, um, I believe some 900 people have actually died from heat related, oh, uh, reasons. I had seen something about, um, in Portland specifically, cause they're, they're also part of this. Portland is actually one of the least air conditioned cities. Oh, really? Meaning that most places don't have central and a lot of people don't have window units or anything because typically, uh, they'll have to deal with like some days a month in the nineties, but they don't usually get up to a hundred or more. And so it's not something that people prepare for. One Canadian official, when asked about whether the government had done enough to inform British Columbians, uh, British Columbians of health risks associated with the heat crisis, took it upon himself to blame the victims, as so often happens when there's a like a hurricane and the people that don't evacuate have have it coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, or yeah. you know whatever whatever hey, else. God put that hurricane there for a reason. <laughs> This is uh, Dr. Henry. The public was acutely aware that we had a heat problem and we were doing our best to try to break through to all break through all the noise to encourage people to take steps to protect themselves. But it was apparent to everyone who walked outdoors that we were in an unprecedented heat wave. And again, there's a level of personal responsibility. Personal personal responsibility is what it always comes down to. Oh, yeah. It's on um, you. We are personally responsible for the climate crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's because you didn't recycle enough. Yeah. Um, it's your fault. Um, it's not the fault of major corporations. It is it is your fault. And it's your fault if you leave your house during an unprecedented heat wave. I can tell you right now, um, I would, because mm. that's my fucking job, right. is to work outdoors all day, regardless of how hot it is. And yeah. it's my personal responsibility to stay hydrated enough to not suffer heat stroke, yeah. as people often do in my industry. Uh, but but no, that's on you, you fucks. Yeah. You know what? I'm going I'm to pivot there. Because another thing over the last couple of days is the the ocean was on fire. Yeah, the ocean was on fire. There was a there was a, a gas leak from an underground I did an see undersea pipeline. The images of the Eye of Sauron swirling in the ocean depths. Yeah. Well, what's what's funny about it is you probably saw the images, uh, the actual images of this fire in the ocean, and then boats that were around it that are spraying water. Spraying water. And the thing is, they're spraying water. You, this is what you do: you spray water on the outside <laughs> to make sure none of the other ocean catches on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, uh, the ocean <laughs> the ocean itself is not on fire. The gas is on fire. Yeah. And the fire is breaking on the surface. <laughs> Just the fucking images of it. And one of these memes that I saw had that picture. And, uh, yeah, the captions that of the boats, those were all personal responsibility issues like, you know, not using straws, yeah. <laughs> you know, and turning your lights off, you know, and th- those are the measures that we need to be taking to stop the fucking ocean fire. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing this is facetious, this, this yeah. meme. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But so that was uh, another thing that had happened in the news and uh, they, they got that snuffed out uh, by the time of this recording. But I mean... Yeah, okay, cool. So obviously this is a, a metaphor for letting us know that it's it's personal individual selfishness that is the cause of mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. of our mm-hmm. problems. Yeah, man. It's not a systemic issue at all. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. Has nothing to do with the fossil fuel industry. Like let's not even go there. Yeah, no, the fossil fuel industry did not did not cause this this ocean fire. Totally free of guilt. So there's that, and uh, just a couple other quick ones, of course. Yes, Cosby got released. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's fucking old. It is it is sad to see a fucking old person rot in prison. But uh yeah, bullshit. I mean, the whole it's thing the whole, the whole conviction victims, was overturned. Especially when you consider that he's never yeah. uh, had it's a not, come to Jesus moment. Yeah, it's not that it's not that somebody said, "Hey, look, he's old. Just let him go die at home. We'll put him on house arrest." No, they overturned the fucking conviction. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fucking they That's an insult. So yeah. they did it for some weird reasons that I don't fully understand, but it has I didn't to do catch, yeah. it has to do with the prosecution conferring immunity publicly during a press conference before the trial ever even occurred. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so wait, they like had a circle of salt around him in the courtroom, but they just didn't think about okay, I believe yeah, that is that is what happened, yes. Yeah, okay. Well, so that happened, so whatever. Fuck him anyway. Uh but here's the thing. The last thing that I have to say, and I think that we can all have a nice little smile at this one. I'm sorry to do it, but we are going to do it. Donald Rumsfeld is dead. <laughs> yeah. Feels good a little bit. I'm sorry, but uh, this is, I don't like mocking people who are dead, but you feel relief sometimes. It's pointless. Right? They're not going to, they're not going to appreciate your mockery. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and I'm, I'm not trying to, like, I don't. His family's going to be fine. I'm not worried about insulting them. Trust. He's uh, an old man with a long, destructive legacy. Yeah. Nothing will ever take that legacy away from him. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. any of us. Yeah, yeah. So, that's that's the one good little kind of like, take a moment to breathe at the end of the episode is, <sighs> Rumsfeld's dead. There is that. So, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, this has been our weekly shit show, Radio Gripe. Um of course, I need to give some quick shout-outs to Trevor and the Mental State Fair for their use of the theme song, Dying in Texas. Thanks to Alex of Spectrostatic for a lot of other stuff you're going to hear. Uh, their shop just opened, Curio Marvosa. If you're, if you're local, go check it out. they got a lot of cool stuff. It's so cool. Yeah, here in downtown Taylor. And, um, yeah, also, I'll just repeat uh, some of the stuff that I brought up. Um, Idle No More, uh, if you want to know more about the uh, indigenous move to uh, – I don't know, for some comeuppance over fucking hundreds of years of genocide and shit. It's kind of a clumsy way to say it. But go check out idlenomore.ca and uh, go check out the uh, Texas Service Industry Coalition. Okay. And, uh, organize. Yeah, those, are, those are my calls to action uh, this episode. I'm trying to get a little bit more of that in there for people. The CTAs. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, everybody keep on griping until we see you next week. I've been Joe. I've been Jen. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Okay. You didn't remember. That's fine. <laughs> oh, were we supposed to say it together? That's why I was counting down with my fingers. One more time. Stay, Stay fresh, fresh, cheese, cheese bags. bags. Yeah, we'll work on that. <laughs> <laughs>